0: This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week on the show, NBC News White House correspondent Jeff Bennett and Yahoo News national politics reporter Brittany Shepard. All right, let's start the show.
1: She said Yahoo. How do you say it?
0: Uh, <laughs> I say Yahoo.
2: Yahoo. Oh, well, I do a little yodel sometimes, okay. too. Go ahead and do it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yahoo.
0: You know,
2: oh, okay. yeah. We're gonna we're gonna edit that for. for oh, that's staying. Know, okay. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, y'all. From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a week. It's been a minute. <laughs> Happy <laughs> week. has been a week. <laughs> Thanks to my guests for being here, Brittany Shepherd. she covers national politics for Yahoo News, and Jeff Bennett, White House correspondent for NBC. We're joined by Coldplay in I love studio this song. today. So you upset. know who else does? Who? I have a story for you. Who? Well, first, this is the fun part. Oh, I When the, beat drops. when the beat drops. Oh god. So this song, "Something Just Like This," Coldplay featuring the Chainsmokers, this week in a sweeping New York Times profile, Tina Turner name checked it, wow. and she's like, "I like this song. It's a bob <laughs> She you not say it's a Yeah, she did say it's she a goes, bop. This
2: slaps. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. So she has been, like, silent and quiet in Europe for years now. Switzerland, She's, right? Yes, is that where Yeah, she, yeah. Yes, she stopped touring, stopped performing, and there's all this coverage of her now because a musical based on her life and music oh, is coming right. to New York. Mm-hmm. And so when they're profiling Tina, she said, I just got tired of dancing and singing, and I just want to, like, make me happy. Tina Turner would put on a show. Yes. yes. I mean, yes. I, I'd
3: never seen one in person, but I know people have gone to her concerts.
2: Yeah, she was my first concert. Hours. I was oh, really? two years yeah. old. Oh, I saw wow. her and Meat fir- in Meatloaf my in one week. Wow, wow, yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't blame her for being, like, just taking off and, like, living oh, yeah, her truth, right. you know? Yeah.
1: So she's taking this time off, and this journalist at the time says, so what do you listen to now? Who who speaks to you right now? And you're expecting this deep and profound answer from Tina Turner, one of the best performers of all time. Yeah. And she yells to her husband, what's that song where they go, <laughs> something just like this? Tina Turner someone's auntie oh, yeah. and she goes I like it
2: I want it for carpool karaoke right wow.
1: and so then she goes on to say why she likes it and she said you know what I like about it he doesn't have that really good black voice like Motown wow she likes that alright Tina Turner <laughs> I mean like if Tina Turner likes Coldplay, now we all have to love Coldplay. Do There's we? no question anymore.
2: I'm as basic as the next girl, right? But like, to me, it just didn't really—it didn't like scratch that itch for me. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna send you a playlist after this. Okay, perfect. The song is fading. They want us to move on.
2: <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> all right, we have to talk about the news, news now, mm-hmm. uh, as we always do. We start the show by having my panelists describe their week of news in only three words. Both of y'all cover politics, so we're yep. gonna get deep into politics. Um, Jeff. Yes. You're up first. I think it's some words tied to Congress. Indeed. So okay. my three
3: words are inconsistent, Instagram, and inquiry. Who's
1: Instagramming in Congress right now? Any guesses? AOC.
3: No, it's the whole impeachment debate on, on Capitol Hill uh, well. okay, okay, okay. And okay. so the reason I bring up Instagram is because mm-hmm. when the House Judiciary Committee on Thursday voted to establish a new framework for how they're going to hold their hearings into their investigation into President Trump, the idea is at the end of this, they will then determine whether or not to introduce articles of impeachment to the full House. So
1: this is the investigation to see if they want to actually pursue articles of impeachment.
3: Exactly. OK. And so Congressman Doug Collins, he's the top Republican on this panel. Mm-hmm. During the hearing, he says this whole. Whole thing is like an Instagram filter. This is where Instagram comes <laughs> into it. What's happened today is great. The Judiciary Committee has became a giant Instagram filter to make you appear that something's happening that's not. It's a really interesting. And, and he's saying that Democrats out. want to give the impression and leave the impression in people's minds mm. that the president is being impeached when in fact. That's not what's happening. And when, in fact, Mm -hmm. Nancy Pelosi has made clear that she's not on board with that happening in the full House just yet.
1: Well, I mean, it kind of speaks to a larger issue with Congress right now, period. I mean, like for you both, doesn't it seem like Congress just has not done anything for a very long time now? So not just on this, but on so many other things, right? There is this disconnect
3: between what. And I'm speaking more, more about Democrats here, obviously. Yeah. There's this disconnect between what the base wants and expects yes. and the very slow, methodical, intentional work that has to be done in okay. order to make that happen. Huh. So obviously in the news you see reports of the president uh, paying hush money payments to Stormy Daniels, reports of the president dangling pardons to people who work for him in case they run afoul of the law as he's urging them to push uh, you know, ways to get this border wall built. Yeah. Waste, fraud, and abuse, yeah. 15 million different ways in this administration. And so Democrats will say, you have all the evidence you need. Mm -hmm. The problem, though, is even though Democrats in this committee, rank and file members and Democratic leadership are all on the same page on the substantive question of how to go about doing the investigative work that might lead to an impeachment. They are not on the same page when it comes to messaging. And that is why we're in the semantic no man's land. Huh. And that is why there's so much confusion. Yeah. Because they want the base to believe we're moving we're forward. Doing it, we're doing it. We're doing but it. But then they want moderates to believe no, that we're cool. not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I also
2: wonder, when I talk to voters, there's like, what's happening on Congress? Why are their priorities not right? Yeah. So they're wondering, OK, well, what about this gun legislation? What yeah. about you know banning bump stocks? Like, where are we on that? Yeah. So I wonder that if the Democrats are actually thinking, like, maybe this is not the correct priority shift for myself yeah. and my party.
3: There is an asymmetry here hmm. where Democrats feel like we have done a lot of work. We've already passed background check bills. We passed three more bills out of committee to keep guns out of the hands of people uh, who've committed hate crimes mm-hmm. to ban high capacity magazines. Hmm. But because the Republicans in the Senate side have made clear they're not, not going to pass anything that the President Trump won't sign. It always comes back to the Democrats to the answer to this question of why aren't you doing more? Hmm. And Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, specifically
1: has said, what more can we do? Well, and like seeing Congress come back, because they came back to session this week, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So they're back. If we are going to be Congress watchers for the next few months, give us one prediction.
3: Well, watch for trade. I mean, it, uh-huh.
1: it, it's boring to talk about trade. No, it's not.
3: Is it? Is I, it not? Did, I, I, I am oh, obsessed. Oh, I'm always like, I'm always war. trying to find like new <laughs> and interesting ways to get people excited about U.S.M.C.A. I will USM talk trade war any time. So yeah, so the president wants Congress to give the green light to the U.S.M.C.A. So that's NAFTA 2.0, and that covers uh, everything. I mean, I thought it, they did that already. No, they haven't yet. Oh mm-hmm. lord. So that should happen soon. Okay. Um, and that covers everything to the price you pay when you go to buy a, a Christmas or Hanukkah gift in a couple of months, yeah. right? Um, and then guns. Best as
1: I can tell, that's probably it. Okay. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders in studio with two guests Jeff Bennett, NBC White House correspondent, and Brittany Shepard, who covers national politics for Yahoo News. Brittany, do you have three words?
2: I do have three words. Tell and those me. three words for you guys are big vote energy. <laughs> And big vote energy <laughs> is what many um, voting blocks are passing on to their younger cohorts. Okay. Right now, I'm thinking millennials, I'm thinking Gen Z. Yeah. And right now, Gen Z and millennial young voters are activated in ways they had never been before. Really? Especially, on, of course, especially on social media, in peer-to-peer canvassing hmm. around the Democratic candidates. Gotcha. And what I find really interesting is that when I speak to my peer groups, I'm a millennial myself, uh-huh. I say, all right, guys, if you are Democrats, would you vote for someone like Joe Biden, even if he's is a bit more moderate than where you stand. And what I'm hearing is a demonstrative no. Really? Which is different than what older voting blocks have traditionally done.
1: Yeah. Because they say we'll just pick anyone that has our stamp of the party to pick right. the other one. Right? Well, there's
2: a kind of the store of Damocles question around Democratic caucus right now. Hmm. And it's Will we elect somebody to beat Donald Trump or will we elect somebody who holds our ideals? And if they hold our ideals, are those ideals enough to beat Donald Trump? Yeah. Right. It's a very circular kind of convoluted question. Yeah.
1: Well, but also like these young people must be taken seriously because the data is showing that they are going to vote in strong numbers in 2020. So in 2018, uh, turnout for the youths was already up to like 31 percent. Mm-hmm. The, the youth, youths. The youth, I
2: think the youths <laughs> But that was a 25
1: year high because usually midterm turnout is really, really low. Yeah. But they were up and so people that look at this stuff say that we should expect youth turnout in 2020 to be really really big and there was this poll from harvard and they said that more young people especially democrats say they plan to vote um then said so like four years ago right and so if we know that youth voters will be a big deal in 2020 what is a message that works for them this is for both of you
2: Well, I think candidates are going to have to meet them where they are. And I'm going to throw a a little bit more numbers at you. Let's talk about college voters. About 20 million Americans are in college. That includes community college and one-year programs. 60 million voted in the primary Hmm. for 2016. That's a third. So if you're able to isolate 20 million votes, you don't have to even think about persuasion. You don't need to think about moderates. You don't need to think about flipping Donald Trump voters. That is a diametric change of how democratic strategy has been pretty much... Yeah. ever yeah so it's do you meet them in their spaces Do you meet them in their hbcus and talk about not just gun policy but, but student loans but student loans yeah but climate change not in this amorphous way that climate change is bad but in the jay Inslee way that this is bad and if we do not do something right now we're all kind of screwed huh. this
3: is so interesting to me because i had a conversation with a trump advisor trump campaign advisor today and the takeaway was that Donald Trump doesn't need to win twenty twenty, he just needs Democrats to lose in twenty twenty. And infight enough. Well, but the way he's the way he wants them to lose huh. is by running on issues that he can then make toxic. So for instance uh. on healthcare. It's democra he wants Democrats to say it's not enough to just make healthcare better. You have to ban private health Mm -hmm. insurance through Medicare for All, right? Mm -hmm. Or it's not just enough to say we want some common sense gun control. We want to do gun confiscation and buy back all the the AR-style weapons. So he wants the left to go further left. right? But those are issues Mm -hmm. that, generally speaking, younger people, younger motivated voters care more about. And so if you have a candidate who's running on those issues, does that then, in a roundabout way, hand the election to Donald Trump. I'm talking about this in very simplified ways,
1: but yeah. you get my point, right? Well, it's like- I mean, yeah, but it feels like the problem that parties always face when they're trying to get back in the White House are really magnified for Dems this time. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. always a the moderate center. There's always just like more left base. But it seems as if now they're moving further and further apart and the left base is getting louder and louder and louder. And I don't know yet of this crop of candidates who is doing the best job so far of appealing to both of those sects of the party. Right. I don't know who's doing that.
2: Well, I think the challenge is, do they go after both? Or do they just really lean into one? one? Look at Bernie Sanders. You know, he's mm-hmm. a subgenerian. That man is old. OK. Mm-hmm. But young voters really <laughs> like him. Them. Yeah. And something that's really interesting about young voters is that they are increasingly less party identified. Mm. So they will say, I don't want to be Democrat. I don't want to be Republican. Mm-hmm. I just really care about gun reform. So huh. if you're a Republican and you want to do gun reform, which is very you know, unlikely, but I'll ride for you. They really? are more like the ride or die generation. Okay.
3: Yeah. How do you respond to sort of the? Because I remember like in '92 when MTV did Rock the Vote, right? And, oh and man. Uh, I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not I to was date a
2: thought myself. in God's eye at the time, <laughs> so bring me there. But
3: that was back when they when somebody asked Bill Clinton what kind of underwear he wore, right? And I so, that. and even starting back then, it was always this sense like this is the election where the young people the are going to come out matter. and make the right. difference. And I think with the exception of maybe 2000.
1: Yeah. It's always been a lot of hype, Mm -hmm. right? How are party consultants and candidates, when they Talk about and think about youth engagement. What does that mean besides a vote?
2: They are making them influencers themselves. <laughs> okay. So, so one of okay. my first stories at Yahoo is about how campaigns are kind of turning to the influencer to engage Gen Z. So there's two. Can that th- work? Well, okay. There's two theories on this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's the traditional, like, hi, I am James Charles beauty guru, and I think you should vote for Joe Biden. I think that's <laughs> hack, and that's never going to work. But some campaigns are kind of thinking that if, if they court the Instagram and YouTube stars of huh. the world that they will affect a larger audience than the people that they're already hitting. Hmm. There's some sense there but I think that's going to fall on their face. It also can
1: look inauthentic. It does, right? And
2: Gen Z kids will chew them out and it'll happen. But, you know, People who are old think that's where they should be throwing their money. Well, okay. that's
3: what you do if you're not a naturally transformational candidate. Can you imagine Barack Obama trying to get like
1: Kim K. or something? <laughs> <laughs> Could you please just do me yeah. a shout on an instant? Like well, it yeah. was never. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. Well, it's <laughs> the thing with Obama is he made himself the influencer. Well, right, right.
2: but not everyone can be Obama, and I would think yeah. it's yeah. really no one really can be. Yeah. That was a yeah. flash in the pan thing. Yeah. So the. Other strategy that many campaigns are doing, it goes we're gonna reach out to Gen Z folks and we're gonna train them. So Bernie Sanders had a summer huh. school, I was the only reporter there. Huh. And he trained college and high school seniors how to become influencers for his campaign. Huh. How to door knock, how to yeah, it was called Bernie summer Sanders school? Summer School. I went, it was a lot of homework. They had a lot of homework and they all didn't graduate. <laughs> Wait, stop wow. it. Bernie wow. was like Wait, you didn't this? pass? Yeah, so so they had a homework to do and they had to keep themselves accountable. And how if they long didn't was it? it was about two weeks it was three hours for three nights in vermont somewhere no no no. it was digital oh oh, so it's so it it, so if you are you know brown or black you had access to this like if you were at any income rate you had access to this it was complete it was free 99 as we say (laughs) for folks to participate but they had to apply they had around three thousand applications only 1500 kids were were selected it's wild
1: hearing you both talk about your topics I think there's going to be an interesting dovetailing of seeing these youth mobilize at the same time we might enter months of congressional gridlock. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you have these kids saying we want action on climate, action on guns, action on whatever, and they see Congress in October 2020 having done nothing really on those fronts, are they even more energized? to vote
2: I think so I think so too because Mm.
1: then because implicit in the argument particularly for
3: Democrats is if you care about these issues then you need to have a Democratic controlled Senate and a Democrat in the White House
2: Mm. yeah I really think too that they're gonna be voting for more and more and more progressive candidates that's why justice Democrats the folks who helped AOC flip the house and Mm -hmm. Aliana Presley like those candidates are gonna be popping up more and more and more even on the GOP side so I would I would look for these younger millennial candidates running and Gen Z folks voting them in
1: watch the kids Watch Watch the the kids. kids. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right, coming up, we are going to cook one of the strangest dishes you've ever eaten or seen. I recently made one of those wacky recipes from those ubiquitous quick cooking videos on social media. So I will tell you all about my experience with the deep fried chicken quesadilla pizza. (laughs) And we'll tell you how these cooking videos totally jump the shark. After the break, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. We'll be right back.
0: Support for NPR and the following message come from Weston Hotels and Resorts. At Weston, their entire reason for being is your well-being, which is why their wellness offerings are curated with one thing in mind, you, an eat-well menu crafted with fresh ingredients, an on-demand fitness gear lending program that allows you to pack light and stay fit, and their heavenly bed that helps you conquer the day by giving you a restful night. Explore at Weston.com a member of Marriott Bonvoy. Support also comes from BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment at your convenience. Get help at your own time and your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Visit BetterHelp.com slash minute to learn more. The world is complicated, but knowing the past can help us understand it so much better.
4: That's where we come in. I'm Randa AbdelFatah.
1: I'm Ramtin Arablui, and we're the hosts of Throughline, NPR's history podcast.
4: Every week, we'll dig into forgotten stories from the moments that shaped our world.
1: Throughline from NPR. Listen and subscribe now. We're back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here in studio with two guests, Brittany Shepard, she covers national politics for Yahoo News, and Jeff Bennett, NBC White House correspondent. I'm so glad you both are here.
2: Good to be here, man. Thank you for having me.
1: Of course. I have a question for you. I want to pivot to one of my favorite topics food. <laughs> and I want to ask ready. you both Have either of you ever made a recipe that you saw in one of those internet? Quick how to recipe videos.
2: Made is an interesting word. <laughs> Attempted. I co-signed and on Brittany's answer. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah.
1: So I bring this up because earlier this week, I hung out with my friends and colleagues Sue Davis and Danielle Kurtzleben, and we made a recipe that comes from one of the wackiest recipe videos that's ever been made.
2: Cheese, chicken, cheese, tortilla, put a heavy thing on top so it solidified, kinda.
1: And then that chilled
2: chilled overnight and then we
1: breaded that breaded it deep fried it yep uh, put, put it,
2: pizza sauce on pizza top sauce of it, on it topped it with a little shredded maz sliced <laughs> up some pepperoni <laughs> on top hit it on the low broil to get it warm hit in it in with the face. hot broil to hit get it, it brown, brown. put it on the table ran stripping on the side
1: and yeah. now we're about to hit that <laughs> it was crazy so it was, you know, for years these internet cooking videos have gotten more and more absurd Yeah. Mm-hmm. this dish was a super deep dish chicken quesadilla with barbecue chicken uh, and then it was sliced like pizza breaded and egg washed deep fried then coated with pizza sauce cheese and pepperoni and baked in the oven to look like a deep fried pizza that's insane. It's, it's insane.
2: Miss me on the ranch, though. Well, the, yeah. Well, that's yeah. the
1: key to these videos: is that there's
3: always an extra step. Girl, I so like, when you I didn't need to do that because I thought it was going to stop at the deep frying, and then it
1: turned yes. into a pizza. Yeah. And right. I was like,
3: okay. And, and then, then it turned. To
2: the ranch. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm you're curious like what? So, like what function do you roll this up with? Like, you're not going to church with this, oh, yeah. right? It's, it's not- just
1: for home. It's just for the gram.
2: Just yeah, for the, the grams? Gram. Yeah,
1: yeah. But anyways, I was thinking about these videos, and I was like, what do the what do the crazy food videos say about us? Like, big question mark. So, I called up Shay Spence. He is a food editor at People Magazine. Uh, he's also a former chef. And we talked about all these crazy recipe videos and we both relived our experience of trying to make that weird, strange, humongous, deep fried chicken quesadilla pizza. So, here is Shay getting to the bottom of the internet cooking video industrial complex.
4: How are you? I'm good. How are you, Shay? I'm fantastic. Hey, well, thanks for
1: talking uh, of with me about this. I'm guessing you probably feel talked out about the pizza turducken, so I appreciate you bringing no, it back for no, us. No,
4: no, no, no. Uh, I think it should last forever. I never want this <laughs> national discourse to end. <laughs> I think my first question is how do you think we got here? How, like, how do we
1: get to the point where these Internet food creation videos are absurdist? It's not like it, the stuff that they're putting out there. You're like, they don't mean this for real, do they? How do we get to that moment?
4: Well, it's, you know, everyone's trying to outdo each other. And <laughs> yeah. I guess when I started at People a few years ago, it was right when BuzzFeed Tasty was just like taking off. And so everyone was trying to emulate that. And we say, um, so, and, and
1: like Tasty was a little BuzzFeed thing where it's like a minute long video with like a how-to recipe.
4: Yes. We call them hands and pans videos because it's just hands <laughs> and pans. <laughs> And it's really quick and yes. it's just like a product yes. of everyone's low attention spans. Yes. Um. And so, you know, when I first started, I was like, I, you know, because I came from a culinary background and I, I was like, oh, I'll make my like tarragon chicken salad. It's like nobody wants to watch that. Like everybody wants to watch you like deep fry a quesadilla. Mm-hmm. So for Thanksgiving, I was, I made a pie that was... Um, the bottom layer was a pecan pie. Mm-hmm. The middle layer was an apple pie. The top mm-hmm. layer was a pumpkin pie. Like That was a video? Uh, that was a video that I created. I think
1: I saw that one.
4: Yeah. And you know what? It tasted good. Yeah. But um, at that point, I was like, this is absurdist. And then I think that interest has waned as people have been desensitized to it.
1: Yeah. So then we have this moment where... Feed Tasty starts this thing that could be fun and helpful to real life people but because the internet requires constant one-upsmanship mm-hmm. we end up with these Dada-esque food videos now that no one even wants to execute like do you think people actually make these recipes?
4: Um, I think sometimes they do but a lot of the times I'm like the process of this is daunting it's and, and a lot of times you're just doing things that you could get the same flavors in a much more simple way but they're doing it in a very like Weird way because it's more interesting to watch that video. I don't think that many people are actually making them. Well, there's a few things I noticed about how hard it is to work
1: with a video recipe. One, the steps aren't written out, the measurements aren't written out. So to figure out what to get and how to do it, you have to watch the video over and over and over while you're cooking. Yes. And two, it's horrible. (laughs) the ratios of these ingredients are off.
4: Oh, completely, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I had so much of that leftover chicken mess.
1: Is this the thing where these people making the videos just are doing it too fast and not thinking it through, or they're just bad cooks also making these videos? Well,
4: look, recipe development is a hard thing. It's not, like, you can be a really good cook, and be a really bad recipe developer. Mm. Or not even bad, but also if you're cranking out, if you're saying, oh, we have to crank out so many of these videos a day, then no, I don't think anyone's really testing them. They're probably just like, I kind of know how this is made. And then they do it. And then they're not really like actually testing for ratios and like measurements. Um, They're just
1: trying to get the visual.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's a full-time job because it took you hours to execute the pizza dia. It did. Uh, I was yeah.
1: up to like 2 a.m. Oh that God. night. Speaking yeah. of pizza dia, we yes. both had moments where we tried to make this. Um, I did it with two colleagues of mine, and they kind of prepped and pre-did some stuff, but I was in charge of the deep frying. And I want to play you my our reaction because i want to talk about how much this thing actually surprised me
2: that might be the wine talking but this is delicious yeah i also haven't eaten in like nine hours so i'm real hungry i'm like legit hungry (laughs) all right sam sam i want i mean did you try the ranch the ranch makes it better i'm
1: gonna say this i'm gonna say this i'm gonna say this
2: all
1: right none
4: of it's bad yeah shay yeah
2: i liked it
4: okay this is tough for me (laughs)
1: Listen, I was just a surprise, man. When I heard the words come out of my mouth, I was like, are you saying that? And I liked
4: it. My reaction was visceral. And I I I gagged. Something about the sour cream and the pizza sauce and the dill and the barbecue (laughs) sauce and the pepperoni. It like really, really did not agree with me.
1: I think what made me be able to like it is that throughout the entire process, we doctored things and changed things. Okay. So yes. we're like more sauce, more cheese, less that, and so we we like personalize it based on what we like.
4: Yours looked very pretty, or it was like mine was like a sloppy <laughs> mess. but Yours looked very. Can pretty. Can I tell you
1: the secret? And this yes. is, this comes from me having a the background secret. in frying yes. chicken because I, okay. I had a job two years where I fried the chicken. Got it. Double bread.
4: Double bread.
1: You got you because you want to keep it together. You yes. have to coat heavy yes. coat, heavy coat, heavy coat. London fog.
4: Yes. Heavy coat.
1: <laughs> Anyways, we have reached the wacky food video mountaintop. I think so. I hope I don't hope think so. it can get crazier. So. so like, is there a way that this gets simpler and less insane?
4: I think, you know, first of all, food videos really started with like, you know, Julia Child and Food Network and people. Oh, she is the OG. And, and, she's the original and, Tasty. You know, <laughs> yes, of course. And you know, these were personalities mm. who you trust mm. and who you know. And I do think that with social media, we, everyone's attention spans uh, you know, shrunk, and then it went to these videos and everyone wanted just the quick show me how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think we're reaching a point where it's going back. So people are wanting more of a personality-driven cooking experience, and yeah. that's why you see success um, like my friend Justin at Food & Wine, he does his Mad Genius Tips. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen, people are- Oh, he's great.
1: The... Who's that? Chris Morocco.
4: Yeah, there's Chris Morocco. There's a bunch. He's of... delightful. And and you want, at a certain point, you want to know, like, who's giving me this recipe and why am I doing that? And can that? I trust And them? that's kind of like what I do on Instagram. And mm-hmm. when I, like, I, I try to really explain why I'm doing something and mm-hmm. have, you know, a, a conversation with people yeah. because yeah. I do think you should build that level of trust. It's better that way. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's more fun.
1: Shea Spence, food editor at People. I appreciate it.
4: Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks again to Shea Spence, food editor at People magazine. I'm back here in studio with my two panelists, Brittany Shepard, who covers national politics for Yahoo News, and Jeff Bennett, White House correspondent for NBC. Uh, Update on the food video front. What's that? Earlier this year, Walmart announced that they were going to partner with BuzzFeed's Tasty and make a way for when you watch the cooking video online, you can tap on your screen a few times and have that order for the ingredients fulfilled at a Walmart, then you go and pick it up.
2: Well, that stresses me out. That stresses me out. <laughs> it makes it easier though. Well, no? yeah, well, it also enables. It aids and abets <laughs> bad behavior. I, when are you watching those videos? I watch them at 2 a.m. Exactly. after I file. I don't need to make a turducken right now, but now I could if I <laughs> wanted could. to. yeah.
1: Got to note, before we go on, Walmart is an NPR sponsor. All right, time for break. When we come back, my favorite game,
0: Who Said That? You are listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age.
4: Reambulante is back with a brand new season of stories from all over Latin America and across the US. We kick things off with a voice that some of you may have heard. The rise and fall of one of Latin America's most famous voiceover artists and the industry that crumbled around him. Reambulante from NPR. Listen and subscribe now.
1: You're listening to "It's Been a Minute" from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here in studio in Washington, D.C. This week, uh, with two guests and friends, Jeff Bennett, NBC White House correspondent, and Brittany Shepard, national politics reporter for Yahoo News. Y'all, it is time for my favorite game. Who said that?
2: Ooh, I've been
1: uh, so, Jeff, you're a veteran on this show. Yeah. Uh, explain the game to Brittany. So Sam's going to read a quote, and you have to guess who said that. All right. Yeah. The really
2: winner complicated gets, uh, stuff. Really
3: complicated.
1: Hardest game in the world. The winner gets nothing.
2: But pride. But wait, pride. wait, hold
1: on. Tom Dreisbach got a shot glass last week. <laughs> he did. A so. uh, nice listener sent in a little shot glass and said, Give your panelists gifts when they win who said that. Give this to them next time. So and you since then, no one said anything. <laughs>
3: no one no, Like, no, like no,
2: yeah. and Brittany, yeah. you deserve nothing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair.
1: So this first quote, it's actually fill in the blank, but it'll make sense to you. Blank is also the first ever game where women make more than men.
2: Miss Monopoly.
1: Yes. Brittany came wow. to win.
2: Sorry.
1: So that quote comes from Hasbro. They are the toy company that makes Monopoly. And they launched Ms. Monopoly as this feminist twist on the game. And the thing that has people scratching their heads is that in this game, Hasbro says specifically, the women get paid more than the men. And they have a woman on the cover of the box. But a lot of folks are saying, is this the best way to be feminist? I don't know how to feel about it. I'm asking the woman in the room. I
2: know. I'm in my feelings a little bit about it because I okay. do think like I have conversations in my own newsroom about parody and how about how much women should be paid, how much black women should be paid. Uh-huh. But I think it reduces the conversation <laughs> to this kind of like silly parody of itself. Doesn't it feel like a Mr. Show sketch to you?
1: It feels like an Onion article. Yeah. You know, you know yeah. it's like
2: click hole. It's like actually. <laughs>
1: Give someone more real money. You know, yeah. like, I don't. monopoly money is not going to fix the wage gap. <laughs> All right. You uh, are doing pretty well
2: to be one? a newbie. Oh, one point. Okay. Yeah.
1: Ready for the next quote? Far to fall. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. Quote, this has been a special one because we didn't have to play Bobby and Cindy. We could be ourselves. And it's the 50th anniversary of the premiere. Brady Bunch. Yes. That quote came from Brady Bunch actor Mike Looking Land? Didn't they like rebuild a house or like they like, rebuilt the, the? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what it is, but they're doing a Brady Bunch HGTV house yeah. Reno oh, show where the
3: cast members are. They bought the like the house that served as a facade of the show. They bought that house
1: and now they're renovating it. But they're gonna have the Brady Bunch family actors be in charge of various parts of the Reno.
2: Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's my perennial question. Yeah, will y'all watch it? no no.
3: I will watch it You're I, willing. I'm happy though that the original cast members get a check from someone
1: you know? I would do like
2: a Frasier version of this I was just oh. gonna say
1: which show would you want to see brought back with the original cast I want oh. them I want to do a reno on the friend's house just so I can take the empty picture frame off of the purple door <laughs> <laughs> this game is tied
3: I'm stressed. I'm, I'm
1: gonna pressed. bring it in this third question. Okay, this one is very, very fun. I what want kind my of gift experience? of nothing. Your gift of nothing. You can have the rest of this yogurt and granola. Oh, <laughs> you know what, Sam? You are a gentleman and a scholar. I, don't I appreciate care. that. I don't care. Final quote. I wasn't trying to steal my sister's spotlight. Oh. A wacky wedding story in the news this week. Oh,
3: I know. The okay. girl who wore the dinosaur uh, inflatable costume to yes. her sister's wedding. Yes. Oh. My yes. brain is filled with random... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So Random minutia.
1: That quote comes from 38-year-old Nebraska resident Christina Miodor. Um, she wore, as Jeff said, a T-Rex costume as she was the maid of honor at her sister's wedding. No! Well, yeah, so I would they, cancel it. They had a backyard wedding, and the sister,
3: the bride, said, wear whatever you want. And so you see no. the picture... And people are dressed appropriately. And then
1: as your eye sort of pans to the right, you see a dinosaur. That is ridiculous. Can you, that you is... divorce a sibling? So she said that she wasn't making a statement about marriage. She's been married 16 years herself. And she also says it wasn't a comment on her sister. She just, as she claims, isn't a dress person and doesn't like being in the spotlight. This is all from an interview that she gave The Washington Post. Still, no.
2: What about pants? <laughs> Consider a suit?
1: So... This woman says, "Quote: I wasn't trying to steal my sister's spotlight. Not even a giant inflatable dinosaur could distract from that."
3: That's a lie. No, that's a She wasn't a trying to steal the spotlight. Yet we know her name, not the sister's <laughs> exactly. name. Exactly. She's interviewed by the Washington Post. Exactly. And the picture went viral. Exactly. But she's not trying to steal yeah. the girl's she spotlight. She want the
2: spotlight.
1: You know. <laughs> Don't throw me a surprise birthday party.
2: <laughs> but here's the date, and here's the location. Exactly. Here's what I'm going to wear. I, exactly. I
1: will show yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff, you won. All right. Also, Brittany, good job.
2: Thank you. Very good job. Transportation Trophies Trophy? for everyone. Yes, Thank you. exactly,
1: exactly. That concludes Who Said That. Now it's time to end the show as we always do every Friday. We ask our listeners to share with us the best things that have happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. They always do. Let's listen.
0: Hi,
4: Sam. This is Rachel from Austin, Texas. Best thing that happened to me this week is that I locked my keys in my car and thanks to that got to experience the generosity of people who not only helped me call a locksmith but priced around to make sure I was getting the best deal, kept me company at the corner store while I was waiting, and gave me a good old-fashioned hard time about it. Thanks. Have a great week. Hey Sam, it's Nick in Philadelphia. The best part of my week is celebrating my 10th anniversary with my husband Naylor,
2: The best part of my week is that I just got to start law school at my dream school after being on the wait list all summer and just being admitted last second in August.
4: I just
3: finished
0: officiating the wedding of two dear friends, Melina and Neil. I finally got that job offer. I finally got a job offer after graduating from college in May. I got
2: to go to New Orleans with an amazing group of women and we saw the amazing Queen Lizzo and it was phenomenal. Hey Hey, Sam. Sam. This is Ben, and Luam, and the best part of our week was after nine years of being together, we just got married!
3: married. Our hashtag was Ben and Luam time coming.
4: Thanks! Thanks. Hi Sam, this is Erin from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The best part of my week is that I survived my first week of my first year of teaching in first grade. I will say I'm a new kind of tired right now that I never knew existed, but it's going to be a great year with my little ones. I now have mad respect for all educators.
2: Hi, Sam. This is Tammy. I just realized that it's been one week since I met my pen pal, Linda, who I've been writing to for 51 years. We had a wonderful trip to the Grand Canyon, Sedona, and Montezuma as well. Thank you. Thanks for your show.
1: Keep up the good work, Sam. Have a great weekend. If they don't make that a Nancy Myers movie, yeah. the universe is wrong. Right. Yeah. That's the most beautiful yeah, story. It really is. 51 wow. year Pin Pal friendship. God. So I don't innocent. think when I die, I don't think I'll have friends that I'll have had for 51 years. No. Yeah. Thanks to all the listeners you heard right there. Rachel, Nick, Stephanie, Dan, Scott, Erica, Sandrine, Ben and Luam, Aaron and Tammy. Um, this just cheers my heart every week. Yeah. Best parts of y'all's week?
2: Besides being here? Aww. Um, the debate the de- <laughs> debate uh, actually once a week me and my mom um, watch Frasier together on the phone
1: oh my goodness Yeah, that's the sweetest thing yeah
2: and my mom is an immigrant and it's like kind of one thing that we can do to connect with one another so oh. I did that yesterday that was really nice
1: that is really sweet So
3: personally, so my son went back to school this week and had a great week in second grade. So personally, that's the best part of my week. Mm -hmm. Professionally, I'm working on a story that I care a lot about, and uh, I can't really talk about it. (laughs) I'm going to go do it next week. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. But it was was a hard-fought win, and and I'm really...
1: Happy about Good it. Good
2: on you. Oh, awesome. I'm excited to see it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Best part of my week was being in D.C. for a few days, and it wasn't entirely unbearably hot the entire time.
2: Mm. <laughs> a, nice, a nice chilly morning. A nice
1: chilly morning. I am into that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks to all of those who share their best things with us every week. We listen to all of them, even if we can't include all of them here on the show, but keep them coming. Uh, Just record the sound of your voice on your phone and email that file to me at samsanders at npr.org. samsanders at npr.org. It's time to say goodbye to you all. We're going to go out on a... Tina Turner favorite Cold Simply the Best in the Chainsmokers oh. <laughs> Coldplay I love Simply the Best That's a great song But we're playing Coldplay and the Chainsmokers Singing this song Something just like this Because Tina Turner said She loves them And this song I want to listen to music With, uh, with Tina Turner Because she said Chris Martin isn't a good singer <laughs> Yes Yes Like what is Tina Turner's Spotify playlist like?
2: Hmm, no Taylor Swift. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think any Beyonce Probably either.
3: some, like, uh, Bruce yeah. Hornsby. Okay. okay. And some...
1: And a lot of um, her, probably. Yeah, a lot
2: of, yeah, a lot of her. Private uh, dancer on loop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly,
1: exactly. All right, this week, the show was produced by Brent Bachman, Anjali Sastry, and Jason Fuller. Our fearless editors are Jordana Hochman, Alex McCall, and Kitty Isley. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson. And our big boss, NPR's senior VP of programming, is Anya Grundman, to my guest, Brittany Shepard, national politics reporter for Yahoo News, and Jeff Bennett, NBC White House correspondent, thank you both for being here on what's always a busy week for y'all covering politics. I appreciate it. My week yeah,
2: what this a pleasure. Great. Oh my
1: goodness, thank y'all. All right, till next time, keep playing Coldplay. Thank you for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. <laughs> They're great.
2: Look, they I believe people should have choice. I believe in choice. <laughs>
4: The
1: old, the legends and the myths, the testaments they told.